From Radical Production, this is Reaching the Border, one unique story told week by week. I'm your host, Robert A. Douglas. A research study was recently published in the New York Times claiming that brown boys raised rich or poor perform and earn less than any other group as adults. The authors search for answers as to why, and the article poses a great question. Why do brown boys earn less in life in comparison to brown girls even, let alone white males and all other groups of our American society? Well, we're here to find out. The article stresses the fact that finances don't keep a brown boy from falling into the pitfalls of living a poor life as an adult. Those statistics aren't the same for brown girls. So there is no doubt that there is a commonality amongst brown boys regardless of their upbringing. As a brown middle-class man that grew up poor, one would think I cannot relate to the plight of brown boys entering adulthood, but that is not the case. My ability to escape poverty does not remove me from that X factor that creates these social dynamics for brown boys. The X factor, the reason if you will, is directly tied to the mental health of brown boys in this country, and I know this from experience. In the book On the Border, I discussed the psychological trauma experienced by brown boys in this country from the perspective of my own life growing up in the inner city of Baltimore. The book focused specifically on the topic of mental ills and brown boys living in poverty, but this dynamic applies to all brown boys in this country. It is something wealth cannot penetrate. To my point, the same study in the New York Times reveals that the brown boys raised by the top 1% of the wealthiest in this country experienced the same amount of police interaction as white boys raised with parents making just $36,000 a year. Let me break that down. Brown boys that can afford to attend the most affluent schools are provided with the numerous opportunities in life and are typically positioned for success genetically are stopped by the police at the same rate as their white counterparts belonging to the lower middle class families without those same opportunities. Can you imagine the mental turmoil that's sown into a child that can never afford to be viewed as human no matter how much money he possesses because of the color of his skin? If hearing that isn't mentally damaging enough, imagine having to live in it. Many mental weights for brown boys in this country apply to all income brackets, but for this season, we will focus on the majority, those brown boys growing up in poverty. I work at an all-boys school as a campus director, where brown boys from all over the city come to attend. Of the 250 boys we serve, 249 of them are brown. So, it's the perfect place to begin. At work, I never know what I will encounter when I walk in. This year alone, I've had to pull fake and real guns off a student's person. A casual walk to a board meeting has turned into me intervening between a 12-year-old boy facing his bully with a switchblade in the bathroom. I've confiscated machetes, drugs, prescription and illegal narcotics from lockers when just searching for stolen goods. That's not to mention the many beefs on social media that cause other students from other schools to try to invade our building to assault our students with weapons. All of these conditions speak to a deeper issue the mental health of brown boys at an early age. 
Each episode will focus on one of these students with a particular story that speaks to this issue of how brown boys from poverty fare as adults and why. The first is a 13-year-old boy that was recently arrested for the first time. Unlike the other students here acquainted with the judicial system for accusations of rape, robbery, and other violent crimes, this student is viewed by many as having promise, whatever that means. He was recently plastered all over the news and social media as being a kid wanted for a heinous crime with rewards for information leading to his arrest for this. Tell me why I saw your face go across the news screen as someone wanted by the police recently. So December 6th, 16th of last year, which was 2017, we was going to the gas station on Hoffer Road. We went through the alley so we can take a shortcut. But we walked past and we seen a cat lying there. So we didn't know if it was dead or alive. So we like found some broomsticks and broken and had broomsticks and we picked it up and started poking at it. Mind you, we didn't know there was a camera behind us. So we like, we just kept poking it and like then us. And they didn't, like the camera looked at us and thought we were setting it on fire because my cousin Charity, she had a lighter in her hand. But we were just mainly just trying to see what the cat was doing. We made videos about it saying, like, rest in peace and all that. Okay. I'm going to show you the video that the police put out on the news, and I want you to tell me what, what you feel about that. Before I play the clip, I want to bring to your attention the language that is used to describe a group of teenagers alleged of torturing a cat to death in an alley. Listen. These are the faces Baltimore City Police want the public to get a good look at. The group, they say, is responsible for carrying out an inhumane assault on a cat in this northeast Baltimore alley. An attack so savage, WJZ is choosing not to show certain parts. These suspects set a cat on fire. They beat the cat. They stabbed the cat until the cat died. Um, it's heinous. He seems uneasy. He can't sit still to watch, listen to how he's being described. Exhaustive search for the suspects has so far been unsuccessful. They are confident someone knows who they are. This is more or less the area seen on surveillance video. Those that live in the neighborhood say they are appalled by this level of cruelty. The cat was alive when the cat was on the ground. They just tortured it. Yeah, they murdered the cat. It brings a feeling through me, you know, if I was laying there and someone threw a cinder block on me, that's a life. Authorities eager to get the suspects off the street before any more lives are lost. I'm almost positive that they'll do something like this again. And if it's not with an animal, it'll escalate to the point where it's someone's loved one. For such a heinous crime, I wonder why the media insists on not painting the picture to the public. For instance, they say the video is too gruesome to show. So I did my own research and took to social media to find this video at length. After watching it, it's clear that these children were poking a cat that was not responsive. The cat never tried to escape the circle these teenagers formed around it before the poking or dropping a cinder block on its seemingly lifeless body. The video is undoubtedly disturbing that these teenagers saw an opportunity to take such actions. But the way the media portrays the incident is simply untrue, biased, and intentionally targeted. Even down to the images chosen to show the public make each individual appear to be deranged to some degree. There was never a burning on camera and, to me, 
the cat never showed signs of life to begin with. Okay, tell me, tell me what your thoughts are. My thoughts were they didn't really look at the video because there was another channel that had the full video and show what actually happened, but they deleted it. So we didn't murder the cat, nothing. We just stood there and poked at it. But the man, like, I don't know what he meant by he was going to kill somebody's loved one. And the lady, I thought it was, it was phony that she said she was scared for her life to come outside when we were just harmless and just looking over it. And at that point, we buried it. Did they bury the cat? Mm-hmm. Did you throw a center block on it? Yes, one of them threw a center block on it. Okay. Why? I actually don't know. Okay. Because it's someone you were with. Mm-hmm. And did you set it on fire? No. But your cousin had a lighter in her hand? Yeah. Why? Because we was doing some stuff that day. Like what? Like, like drug wise. Smoking? Yes. Smoking what? Okay. So that's why she had the lighter. Mm-hmm. Okay. You were described in the video as someone who would definitely do something like this again, if not to an animal, to a human being. How do you how does that make you feel? As a as a thirteen year old boy, how does that make you feel? It made me feel kinda of, kinda of strange because the way people look at me when I'm outside now. But they like some people know that I endured. Some people still think I did, but I didn't. And the way I've been treated in school, kind of wrong. How you been treated at, in the neighborhood and at school? I'm in the neighborhood. I'm being treated fine, but the school is different. Speak to that. Um, I like if I'm arguing with somebody, that offense is saying I'm a murderer and I killed the cat, and that's mainly it. And they just and like they make songs about it. And what does that do to you? It made me feel bad. It made me mad too. Angry to the point of what? To the point of I want to fight. What happened after the, the news made this video? I mean, like that day, nothing happened until about a month later in January. I think it was the 14th or 13th. They posted it on And they said that the police were looking at us. So. I don't mainly know what happened, but they just came knocking on my door a week later. Um, they said they needed me to come downstairs and put my hands on my back. They took all of our phones and we started to get them back. So they arrested you that day? Yeah. And what happened after that? They took me to the juvenile center by Gay Street mm-hmm. and they asked me a couple questions. I said I wanted to see my lawyer. Then... I think they put they put me into a holding cell for two hours until my mother came and got me. So it was an immediate court date that day. After that, they said I had to be on home arrest for a month. Then when a month passed, they let me off. Then after that month passed and we had that actual final court date, the lady that we was going against found out that the cat was already dead when we found it. Because she did more investigation than she was supposed to do. And so you stayed on house arrest for a month. What did that look like? It was it was kind of like kind of like an early bedtime. But you can't be outside for long. 
I had to go in half as soon as school was over. And what type of trouble were you facing if you violated? I had to be in a hole or something to my court date on um, March 13th. And what did they determine at court? They said that you were not guilty and the cat was over there. No, none of you were guilty. None of us guilty. And the media didn't share any of that? No. And what do you think about that? I think it's kind of messed up that we get to, they get to post something like, like, not even trying to be rude, but light-skinned people, I call white people light-skinned people. So light-skinned people, they care about animals more than people. If a person died, they, they straight want to shoot a black man. But when an animal die, they want to do more than that. They want to put them on an electric chair. You had an experience today at a, at a potential high school that you want to go to. Tell me about that. So we was in, we was in there, and we was in the school store, and a senior was shadowing people. So he picked me because he said, I look bad. Then a uh, fellow scholar said he killed cats. And I felt, I felt very mad at them all, but I didn't want to show it because that's one of the schools on my loser. And how did that senior respond? He looked around, and like he touched his lips and said, you killed cats? And I said, no. And I walked away. Do you feel like this decision is following you through your life? I'm, I'm still in school. I'm doing fine. But it's following me everywhere. Mm-hmm. But some people, they forgot about it. But certain ignorant people like to bring it back up. What types of things has your family suffered from this situation? My mother didn't go to work for about a week or two. My stepfather had to get off on his job just to come. And my aunts and my friend's aunt, my friend's family had to take off just because it was one lady. But at the end, we're all suing her. Do you accept any responsibility for this incident? Yes. Like, it don't matter if I want to take a shortcut or not, don't go through no alleys. If you see another dead cat, don't mess with it. Okay. Great. So you all were smoking weed before you encountered this cat, right? Yeah. Okay, tell me more about that, because you're 13. So, it was just me and my cousins. The rest of them were smoking. Me and her wasn't, because we said we don't smoke, because I played football, and she played all-around sport. So, the rest of them were smoking, but she had the lighter for them, because we found it. So, we were just sitting in a, in a vape in a van that my cousin used to have. It was unlocked, and we sat in there. So do you guys uh, smoke in a van often? That was only a one-time thing. Okay. Do they smoke often? No. Okay, so where did they get weed from the smoke? It's clear he isn't truthful about their usage of drugs that day. And you can understand why. I don't know. Did they buy it? Did they get it out their house? I don't know. You don't know. Or you didn't smoke with her? Nope. Do you ever smoke with her? Nope. I don't smoke at all. If it was one thing that you could change about that entire situation, tell me what and tell me why you would change it. Mainly, I would change the fact that the lady posted it while looking, actually looking at what happened. Because if she would have looked at what happened, she would have seen what really happened. 
because we don't do nothing to it. So, as a 13-year-old, why do you think the media chose to take such a long clip and make it small to show just a little piece of it um, to make it appear as if you all had did what the police said was a heinous crime and that you would do again? Because we're African-American people. Explain that. Well, African-American, we used to be slaves. Like, light-skinned people still don't got a lot of respect for us yet. So... We just, like, they don't care for us. We just care for each other, but we always treat each other. So what do you think the media's intention was? Just to say there's never a couple of hoodlums or black people out here doing some dumb stuff and should be put away. He says hoodlums or black people almost as if they're synonyms for one another. So you think it's intentional to put you away? Yeah. Why? Because they, they just want... They just want us in jail because they think we're criminals. We're all criminals, but we're not. So do you think you're going to end up falling a victim to the trap that they set one day? Or do you, like, do you feel hopeless in trying to avoid that? He just nods, looking at the ground. How do you feel outside of this incident with the cat? How do you feel the world views you? I feel the world views me as a criminal, but the people I mainly I'm close to, like my friends I'm close to, they don't talk about it like they know what really happened. And the world views you as a criminal. And where do you feel like you can go from there? Nowhere. Feel like there's anything that can get you from being stuck? Unless we go on, unless like that lady go on the news and tell them like we didn't kill the cat. It was already built and founded. Do you think that'll happen? No. What? I don't know. They said it was a post you, but it didn't. And they won't. The media is not interested in reversing the demonization of a group of teenagers accused of what is described by police as a heinous crime. A crime that would surely lead this group of teenagers to commit another crime like this or one much more serious. They will kill your loved one. That is the subliminal message that keeps people in fear when they see a brown face. Like this woman who recorded the incident saying she feared for her own life to come outside. This leaves this young man and the others marginalized as they still are unaware of where they will go to school because of the stigma placed on them around this incident and having to constantly explain and proclaim their innocence. How do I know? Because initially, after hearing the news report, I presumed this young man guilty before giving him the opportunity to remain innocent until such was proven, as did the brown detective on the news clip and the brown woman that submitted the taping to the news. Can you imagine what happens to a young person that has to walk into every room ready to explain a situation away with the odds already stacked against him. With all things considered, this was a group of teenagers that were high, who were intrigued by a seemingly lifeless cat and took very inappropriate actions going forward. I in no way condone drug experimentation, but I am not naive to the fact that it happens most in teenage years. But they are brown and they are not rich, so they have no protection against persecution. In fact, they are prone to it. 
Had these teenagers lived just a few blocks away, in a more gentrified neighborhood, the reaction of the media would be much different. It's no doubt. But he doesn't. And neither does the other boys dropped into the pockets of poverty in such a segregated city. The psychological trauma surrounding this type of incident doesn't need to be outlined. You can hear it all in his voice as he speaks. You can imagine the lack of eye contact he makes with me. And when he does make eye contact, it's with eyes of examining to see if I believe him. I do. But will America? Probably not. And as a result, this one incident inches him one step closer to reaching the border.